0: you remember where you were when you first realized that God is not an American? A shocking idea. Some people do not know that. Some Christians do not know that. And maybe, you know, maybe this is like telling someone that there is no Santa Claus, but I have to do it. I have to break the news to you. God is not an American. He he transcends America. He transcends all all countries. He transcends this world in which we live upon. That means he is higher than, greater than, superior than. Think about it just for a moment. What if God is not an American, and his primary concern is not to keep us from having first world problems? Is it possible that the Lord has another plan than our pursuit of happiness, that may, be, that may not be according to each person's unique desire to have their lives their way. Sometimes we can fall asleep at the will, and the Lord brings a correction into our lives that reminds us where our focus should be. It is in those moments of challenge that we finally realize that God is not an American. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm glad that you are listening to this podcast. So glad. Please share the podcast with 1,000 of your closest friends, and that would be amazing. We want more people to uh, be exposed to our content. We we won't We want to cooperate with the Lord, with what He is doing in people's lives, and and so there's, there's a process for that. We need your help. We need for you to share our resources. They are free. They are available. They are accessible. If you have the internet, I am doing this podcast during the coronavirus of 2020. It is ongoing and unending as of this point, this podcast I'm doing on April the 9th of 2020, and we don't have an end date. And so, well, two things. One, you have time. Most of you are sheltering in place, which means you are at home, and so I would appreciate it if you would share uh, this link to this article, the podcast, with a couple of your friends. It doesn't have to be 1,000 of them, and you can put it on Facebook as well. And And I would just greatly I greatly appreciate it. But the second thing is, is the coronavirus. Uh, I have talked to a bunch of people over the the past few weeks, and all of them are humble. All of them are self-aware. All of them, they love the Lord, and they realize that, you know what? We have been living a very good life in America. It's not that they didn't realize that before. It's not that they have that They presumed against America. Maybe some of—well, maybe we have to a degree. We have just taken a few things for granted, and we have fallen asleep at the wheel to a degree, but we have always known that this is a fantastic place to live— and I, I guess in our heart of hearts, we also knew that the bubble was going to burst at at some point. It can't go on this way because the Bible is clear. We've been talking about the end times probably for 2,000 years, but in my lifetime, We've been talking about the end times for my entire life, and so I can say definitively that we have been talking about the end times for over 60 years, but it's been much longer than that, and so in our heart of hearts, we have always known that we, are, we have been riding a wonderful wave, and we're grateful for that, but we are also aware at this juncture in our lives at this specific season that the lord is making a correction things are changing and i can't even i can't even begin to explain especially for those of you who are listening assuming you're listening to this podcast you know 5 10 15 20 years later it would be like me talking 20 years ago about about 911 Uh, I could explain it then as I was uh, going through it from a distance as I was watching it uh, on television. I could explain it then. But 20 years later, for those of you who weren't even born at that time, it's hard to relate to. But you can relate to what we're going through now. We're going through an incredible time that has changed dramatically just in four weeks. I'm talking about four weeks. It's almost like. It's almost like a light switch going from on to off. We were riding high with our economy. People were doing better than they had ever done before in the history of this country. And, of course, with the history of this country, it also implies the history of the world as poverty was is, is going down and wealth is going up, and and technology in the health uh, in the in the health sphere is is better than it's ever been, and so we're learning how to take care of our ourselves better than we ever have, and then all of a sudden the light it just turns off, and that's that's a literal metaphor because it changed so radically. And in four weeks, our, our unemployment has skyrocketed. Over 30 million It's growing. I don't know what the latest numbers are, but 30 million? It's never been this way in the history of our country. And I'm talking about the Great Depression that began in 1929. The unemployment rate today is higher than it was during the Great depression, and it is is a phenomenal thing for this to happen in four weeks. So there is no question that we are going through some kind of correction, and there is no question that God is not an American. And now our first world problems are really different. It used to be slow internet. It, It used to be not having the ability to log in to your Favorite website. It used to be inconvenienced because you, you you didn't have the preferred parking space that you wanted, and, and for some because somebody sat in their seat at the church meeting on Sunday morning. And there's a whole list of these first world problems. But what is happening is we are we are regressing from first world problems to second world problems. And, and we're, we're heading toward third world problems as we are becoming more like virtually everybody else on the globe. And so this is a significant time for us to, to think about, to, to, and I know, I know that you're doing that already, but to continue to do that. Now, when I talk about, in fact, the title of the podcast, I, I didn't share or didn't tell you, and the article. You probably, you've probably you already surmised, but the title of it is When You Finally Realize That God Is Not an American. Now, I'm not anti-American at all. I love America. I, I love the benefits of America. I love living in this country. I don't want to live in any other country. This is an amazing country. It has, even with all of our problems, this is the country where we all want to live, and it's where so many others want to live as well. Uh, it's, it's a good country, and, and I love it, and so I'm not poo-pooing America at all, but it is important that we adjust our thinking every now and again and, and just re-clarify, recalibrate our minds, and the way that I am positioning that concept in this podcast is I am saying that God is not, is not an American. Sometimes God's ways are not, not easy to discern, and we're all struggling with that right now. And you know the text, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah said, my, for my thoughts, are quoting God, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways uh, your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, this is this transcending thing. And so he's given us a, a physical illustration to know why his thoughts are not our thoughts. He, 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 yeah, for, his, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my, my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. You are finite. I am sovereign. I transcend. Our thoughts and desires are not always in line with his, and that's the bottom line. And this is what I want you to examine, for many of you to re-examine during this season or whatever season that you are in whenever you are listening to this podcast. A sovereign being will always function from a macro perspective that encompasses the eternal, the eternal past, our current, present, and the eternal future flawlessly. That's how he sees. His created beings, well, you and me, we're not like that. Our view is no farther than the horizon that is before us or today's to-do list. That's about all that we can see. I remember when I was a kid, and back in the 1960s, Uh, There was this innovative dude who had an airplane, and he flew all over the county, and he uh, took aerial uh, shots of of people's property, something that none of us were able to do because nobody was in a plane, not where I live. Nobody flew in planes back then. Uh, We weren't part of that group. And then he went around to all of the homes, knocked on doors, and he showed uh, uh, these these eight by eleven photographs of of properties, our property, and my grandmother bought one of those uh, pictures and and put it in a frame and put it on her wall, and the thing that I remember is before I ever saw that aerial view of her property, uh, she was a, uh, a gardener, she, uh, and I'm talking about fields, not just some square foot gardening. They had fields that required tractors. Uh, but one of her fields, one of her huge gardens we used to play in when we were kids, and and several of the rows were corn rows, and, and there were several rows of corn stalks, and those stalks grew tall, and we were little kids, and we would get in the cornfield. And when you got in the cornfield as little kids, you couldn't see to the left or the right, and you couldn't see from one end to the other. And if you let let your mind go, you could become scared because you could get lost in her cornfields. They were that large. And then when the aerial photographer came through with, uh, with this picture of my grandmother's property and I, I saw it from an aerial view and I thought, that cornfield's not that big it was just a different perspective from up in the sky you could see one end from the other but as a little punk kid running around in a cornfield tearing up grandmother's corn stalks well I remember a time or two where I was a little anxious because I got lost in there and that's the way it is as we live with a sovereign, we don't understand our past correctly, and we can't see into the future the right way. What we think we want is not always what we need. There are times in our lives where the thing that seems and feels so right will end in disappointment, even though we don't even know it at the time of wanting it. And you have been on the front end of, of some decisions in your life and big decisions, and it just felt right. But then as you look back now, as you stare at the rearview mirror, you see that, well, you know, uh, I have more clarity now. And and I, I get that, you know, when people write in on our community forums and they ask questions and sometimes uh, someone will say Oh, if I just had known this when I was twenty, I agree. I'm the same way. Proverbs 14:12 says it this way: There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We're all living in the cornfield, and we can't see from one one end from the other. Because of our finiteness, having God as the object of our faith becomes vital. He, he becomes the true north. He becomes the thing that we are staring at. And as long as we keep our eyes fixed upon him, well, we're in a good place. And because of our finiteness, we need to have him as the object. It's like a telescope, and so we look through that telescope, and what we see, whatever is at the end of that, that's the object of our faith, and I trust this Lord God Almighty for you. But ironically, trusting someone other than ourselves is not only un-American, it is counter to what is native in all of us. Will you be honest at this moment? You struggle as I do, trust in someone, anyone, even the Lord, uh, completely in, in, in and in a to- total way. Someone other than ourselves, Adam ever liveth. And our Adamic natures recoil at the thought of depending on someone other than ourselves. You see... Here's the reason why. Think about this. Our sense of justice, our sense of protection, our sense of fairness, it can drive us further into ourselves rather than than force us onto God. You don't have to spend long on Twitter, and I don't recommend Twitter. I don't recommend that you do that. But for those of you who do and have been out there, and just read what the Christians, how they talk on Twitter. You can see they have a sense of justice, and many of them are so angry about it. They have a sense of, of fairness that it drives them into themselves, and you don't get the sense that they are truly trusting some of them, not all of them, but some of them are not trusting God. We, we instinctively react this way because we have this intuitive knowledge, I'm talking about a gut feeling, that the Lord is very different from us. The dot that we need to connect here is that knowing He is not like us can become a way of questioning His goodness. And sometimes when you hear people talk, you you can't help but think that because of their their sense of justice and protection and, and fairness. You don't always walk away from those conversations wondering if this person believes in God's goodness. Our senses drive us to ask two questions about God. The first one is a general question, is he good? And then there's a more acute question, does he mean good for me? It is a real personal question, and these are watershed questions that will alter your life. And where you land on them and the way that you examine them, where you land on them will determine will determine how your life will go. And the way that you examine them is by by thinking about how your life your circumstances what is going on with you as you process all of that do, do you are you settled on this idea no god is good to me and god has good intentions for me like what joseph said in 5020 of genesis yeah there's evil here there's unfairness here i have a sense of justice i have a desire to protect myself i'm speaking for joseph here I, I don't know if he said it this way. I have a sense of fairness, but rather than being driven further into himself, it forced him to trust God in a way that perhaps he had never thought before, and so these are watershed questions. Here's another illustration of of this idea. The day Jesus died on the cross, these questions, is he good, more personal, is he good, For me, these questions were no longer theoretical concepts disassociated from the disciples' penetrating anxiety at that moment when Jesus died. They were riveting realities, and as you know the story, it sent them scurrying for their self-protection. Makes sense because we would, well, I would say many of us, if not all of us, would. Well, let me put it this way. I, I am not better than any of those disciples. In fact, I'm, I'm far inferior to them, and, and they associated with Jesus and were trained by him, but yet they were scurrying for self-protection when it seems like God's ways and their ways were colliding in a most disastrous way. His friends, Jesus' friends, eventually repented of their sins, praise God, and they began to embrace his counterintuitive perspective and methods, which saved them from themselves. There's a salvation that lands us in heaven, and we, we know that, but there is an Can I say it this way? There's an earthly salvation that practically redeems us from ourselves. The disciples started living a post-resurrection life of faith. It was a very un-American path. Perhaps these, I want to to share with you three lists. Just three little short lists. And, and I trust that they will aid you in thinking about the concepts that I'm communicating With you. The first list is a few things that all Christians want. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. You can add to it. It is an abbreviated version of some of the things that you want and most definitely some of the things that I want. I'll use the pronoun we because we desire these things. Here are four things that we want. We want eternal life, right? Number two, we want someone to declare us not guilty. The Bible word for this is justified. We want someone to slam the gavel down and and just yell across the courtroom and say, you are you are not guilty. We want eternal life and we want someone to declare us not guilty. Number three, we want we want someone to clothe us in in righteousness. We feel this internal awkwardness in our own souls and and we we, we feel this 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 internal sense of, of immorality and just not quite right. And it would be, it would be a blessing to be clothed in righteousness, to wake up in our right mind, to 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 come out of our stupor and walk down a right path and live a, a moral life. We want to have eternal life. We want someone to declare us not guilty. We want someone to clothe us in righteousness. We and number four, we, we hope to experience freedom from shame. That's that internal awkwardness, not comfortable in our, own, in our own skin. And to have our shame just remove this Adamic shame that comes with, with the package when we are born the first time. Now you can add to this list. It's an abbreviated list. But these are concepts. These are realities that Christians want. Now I want to give you a second list. And this list reveals the cost of these things that we want. As you listen to this list, I want you to think about the price for these things. And I want you to ask the Lord to help you to grow in gratitude for his incredible sacrifice. Now, maybe you are a wonderfully grateful person already, but we can always ask add an inch or two to our gratitude. And so I I trust that you will be able to do that. You see, the things that we want, these desires like the four that I have listed, these are benefits of being a Christian. They were not free. They cost Christ more than we could ever imagine So here they are. This is the second list that reveals the cost of these things that we have received. Number one, Jesus gave us, gave his life so we could have eternal life. Number two, Jesus drank the Father's wrath so we could be not guilty or justified in the court of law. Number three, Jesus became naked for us to to, be clothed, to clothe us in his righteousness, an alien righteousness that we, have, that we have received. Number four, Jesus was accused instead of us so we would be free from shame. As you can see, to get all of these good things, Jesus had to do hard things. Christ is our example who lays out a path for us to walk. The guarantee is that if if we take up our crosses, yours and you take yours, I take mine, and though the journey is hard, the result is beyond our wildest dreams. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 16. He, he told his disciples, quote, "...if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul?" Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? I'm talking about the way of the cross. Now here comes the hard part. What is most vital to you? Health, wealth, other American benefits that are most certainly attainable from a prosperous country? I'm not suggesting that you should pray for sickness or financial reversals, honestly, May you live a long life. May you become wealthy, especially if it leads to generosity. I I don't think that having fitness or financial goals are wrong, and so I'm not that person. More power to you. Have fitness goals. Have financial goals. Have health. Become wealthy. Praise God. But the crucial things... From the first list, eternal life, justification, righteousness, shame, being free from shame, all of us should desire those things. And they must be more important to us, which leads to how you attain them. Well, as you probably have intuited, the way that you attain those things is going to be walking down the path of Christ. You see, the way we got those things, he gave his life, he drank the Father's wrath, he became naked, he was accused instead of us. Now, we're not replicating that. No, it's already been done. But we do want to be Christ-like. We want to take up our crosses and, and if we do that, that's the counterintuitive message, the un-American message that we can forget because we can, we can fall asleep at the will of life because of the, the plenty, the land of plenty, and the home of the free and the brave. Would you spend some time in reflection and prayer, thinking about the path to those wonderful benefits from our generous Lord? Here's what that path looks like. One, you must die you must die to yourself number 2 you must come out of the world 3 you you must be last 4 you must humble yourself now you, you can you can to this list as well. I'm just giving you an idea of the counterintuitive nature of, of the way of God and the way of Christ. Mark 8 is very similar to Matthew 16. Jesus said, "...for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul?" Now, I'm confident that you can add more things to all three of my list, the things that you want, the things that Christ did, and the way that you attained them, but you get my point. The primary question for you to answer, at least to begin with, is, what do you want? What is most essential to you? I trust that Christ is your highest prize. And so I have two quick questions to you. There's more actually here in the call to action, but I want to ask two specifically. The first one is, have you experienced the Savior through regeneration? The imperative that Jesus gave to Nicodemus was, you must be born again. And so my question to you, have you? That is the entry-level position into Christianity Has the Lord imposed himself into your life and regenerated your soul? That's what I'm asking. That's essential to have to experience these wonderful benefits from sovereign God. Number two, are you getting what you want out of life? Will you spend time thinking about what you want, what you have? And how those things line up with the big idea of this podcast, which is Christ, who is the best prize. Now again, the best prize. And and I'm again, I'm not against our land of plenty and, and the prosperity and the benefits of of living in this wonderful country. But God has given us a, a correction here. And we really want to use this time in the most redemptive way. Some of you are struggling now. I I get that. I've talked to some of you but there's many more. And I want you to know that we're here to help you. And if we can, I appeal to you to come to us. You can come to our website. We have free forums. You can jump on and just ask your question. People have been doing that today. They do that regularly. And it would be our joy to serve you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Your Daily Drive is a production of RickThomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net. rickthomas.net.